Thank you for choosing this Dream Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe for further updates. Last week we looked at Exodus 33 and we looked at how Moses was speaking to God and he'd been dialoguing with God. I read it out to us this morning and how God had been speaking to Moses about him going to Pharaoh and speaking with Pharaoh and doing something very, 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 very bold. Go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. And Moses realized, he was smart enough to realize, he said, look, there's got to be something different about us than that's different about everybody else. So God says this to him, I'll tell you what, Moses, how about this? Straight, broad, Mancunian, tell you what, Moses. He says, I'll tell you what, he said, if I put my words in your mouth, and when you speak to Pharaoh, Pharaoh will actually hear me even though it's your mouth moving and it's your voice that's coming out, he'll actually hear my tones within your voice. He says, how would you like that? He says, that sounds a great deal in proper Mancunium. That sounds fantastic. He said, where do I sign up for that deal? He said, well, you just go and tell him. You do what I tell you. You go and I will back you up to the hill. Also last week we were looking at how David wanted to bring the presence of God back into Israel. And just as Moses once knew the presence and walked with the presence, now Israel's future had been wound, uh, wound forward, fast forward, I should say. Now we're in the David era and Dave, they've lost the ark of God. The ark of God represented the very presence for the nation. So let's just say it was like being in London. You know, every, every, you know Londonites always think that everything focuses around, evolves around London. But we know it's Manchester, don't we? (laughs) So let's just say the ark was being taken back to London, the headquarters, the capital. And uh, David had to find out from God, how do we bring this presence back into our nation? And it's a very, very relevant question for us. How do we bring the presence of God back into the nation of Great Britain? When our streets... Our families, our nation seems to be in a mess. Right now you go to the voting, uh, voting, you don't know who to vote for because you don't see a leader. And we seem to be leaderless. Well, there are leaders in our nation. You're one, I'm one. And you begin to lead from where you are and who you are. As you begin to lead in your home, as you begin to lead in your work, place of work, as you begin to take responsibility for who you are and the God that's within you, as you begin to take responsibility for fam- your family, your finances, all the things, God can begin to raise you up so you can be a voice. We don't, this nation just doesn't need one leader, it needs leaders. People who will speak. And Moses and David were just two people, two examples of who, <coughs> excuse me, who God used, but God is looking for many people like them. And, you know, we, we, we know that in our nation, there are many people praying for our government. But, you know, sometimes, even though we're praying for our government, you might be the one that God wants to use, the one who's praying. You know that? You might just start feeling a sense of, hey, I, feel, I feel I need to go into politics. You may not be politics. It just may, God says, rise where you are. Rise where you are. Literally where you are, where you've got a place of influence now, just rise where you are. And I'll, I'll begin to use you from that point. So it's very important that when we listen to how these men brought the word of God to their nation, you, we need to ask some, ourselves some very, very simple questions. Now, do we know, it's alright reading about these men 
and how they heard God, but do we know how to hear God for ourselves? And it's a very relevant question because many of us are not quite sure is what we're thinking and what we're feeling. Is it actually from God or is it from me? Anybody felt like that or is it only just me? We all have thoughts. We can all, I can guarantee every one of us hears God. You just don't know it is God until someone or somewhere confirms it to you. But it's God speaking to you. And when you realise it, you think, ah, ah, God has spoken to me. Wow, why would he speak to me? Because he desires to speak to you. What is the point of having a God that doesn't speak? You know, our libraries are littered with history books. Yes? Now, history speaks... But what's the use of having a Bible if it's not relevant and still speaking today? Because it's more than a book, it's a person. A person speaks to us today. Layered in these words are mysteries and revelations. And the personhood of God is is behind this book. It seems like a book to many people. That's why so many people can never understand God. Why? Because it's a relationship he's after. Not just a discipline. He's after a relationship. Amen? So when we read this book, we need to know, God, if I'm going to be like a David for my own nation, how do I know that it's you that's speaking to me? Anybody felt like that? Oh, I know I have. We also need to know is, God, how do you speak to me? Do you, is the words in the air and I'm supposed to see them? Are, are they just floating around? Do, 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 do. How do I know? Are they on the floor? Are they in books? Uh, do I have to go to listen to this speaker to listen to God's voice? Well, all of them are all, can be possible. God speaks and reveals his word in many, many ways. Sometimes it's through the letters. The Bible is full of letters. The letter to the Ephesians, the letter to the Corinthians, the letter, you know, the called Paul's letters. Amen? So we know he speaks through the, uh, the letters. We know what God speaks into our subconscious. Your mind is, is able to receive what God is saying. Once the system is set up right inside here, that's you're born again. Once you become a born again believer, God puts a consciousness inside of you. And the Holy Spirit speaks to that consciousness and then through that consciousness, you are made aware of God's presence. So you have to learn to tune in like the radio wave. You need to tune it in so you get the call frequency G. It's called frequency God. Yes? And there are many, many frequencies that you and I can tune into, but God says, tune into my spirit. We need to know, God, do I just have to speak on my own? Or is there other people speaking the same message? It's always refreshing when you hear other people speaking what you feel. It is. It's always, you, you tell yourself, at last, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. And sometimes you can go a long period thinking something, thinking that you're the only one who's thinking it. You want to try being out here sometimes. Thinking, God, what are you saying? I I can't tell them that. God says, you can and you will. But God, they'll kill me. I'll kill you. If you don't. Okay, Lord. Okay, you win. Your mercy is better than theirs. And we're running certain courses in the church to help understand, I'll say, help you understand God clearer. So you can hear his word, hear his voice, know these things. Whether it's a man up. Today we're teaching the men how to understand the, 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 uh, the nature of their own soul. We're speaking to the ladies in, in the, the meeting places of God. That's going to reveal so many other things. Then we, the young people today start their new course called Unleash. Unleash in a new generation. Then we'll be starting a new foundations course for those who are not on the page and want to get on the page. We're giving you no excuse not to know. Yes, amen. amen. This is becoming a training house. So that there's no reason for you to sit in ignorance 
or be bamboozled by anything I say. Amen? I don't think I speak bamboozled language, but some people say, you do. So, okay, if we do, we'll make sense of our bamboozled language. It's a new language, bamboozle. Okay? So, if you have your Bibles, please go to Deuteronomy. We're going to answer some of these questions. Try and answer these questions over the next couple of weeks. Some of those things I've just said. So we want to bring the presence back into our nation. We want to bring the presence back into our lives. We want to bring the presence back into the church. That's why our worship was saturated with it this morning. We want his presence. We want to be overcome by his presence. Amen. We don't want church usual. We want church unusual. What, why is it unusual? Because not many churches have it. They're not pursuing it. Well, we're pursuing him. Tonight we'll pursue him. But in Deuteronomy 18, 18, so Deuteronomy 18, verse, eight, uh, sorry, verse 18 to 20, God begins to speak. And this is how he gets his word from point A to point B. You ready for this? I will raise up from them, a group of people, a prophet like you. So there's more than one. From among them, like you, from among their brothers. I will put, listen, I will put my words in his mouth. So that's where the word is, it's in your mouth. Or as we say in downtown Openshaw, it's in your gob. And he will tell them everything I command him. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name, I myself will call him into account. Oh. But a prophet who presumes to speak in my own na- in my name anything I have not commanded to him to say, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods must be put to death. In other words, this is how serious God takes his word. This is how serious. It's not something to be played with. You go all the way back to the, the, the last book in the Bible called Revelation. God says, anyone who adds anything to this book or takes anything away, I'm going to deal with him. So here he is saying, you better make sure that when you speak in my name, it's right. So when Claire says we're going to win the league today, we better know she's right, because if she's not, we stone her tonight. <coughs> I'm trusting, I'm with you all the way, girl. But if she's wrong, bring a brick. <laughs> Joking, it's not serious. But this is how serious God takes his word. In the end of the book, he says, don't add or take anything away. Here he is, he's saying, don't add and don't take anything away. So we see a consistent God, Amen. So he says, but a prophet who speaks must speak in my name. Anything I've not commanded him to say, he's in trouble. And he must be put to death. So God raises his own prophets. Who are prophets? God's people. You're a, you're a person, I'm a person. You can be a prophet in your factory. You can be a prophet in your family. You can say what a prophet is someone who speaks the very heart and nature of God. Yes? It's not your opinion, it's God's word. Speak what God's word is saying. And when you say it, that makes you a prophet. Now, not all prophets were accepted and loved by everyone. Sometimes prophets had to go and say some ugly things. Sometimes God says, I tell you what, son, when you get in there and you're going to tell them, they're going to they're be so brassed off, you better gird your loins up and run like hell because they're not going to like it. You know, I felt like that sometimes in this church. Thank God, don't let me say that. He said, you know, son, they're not going to like it. But I haven't got a dress on, so I can't gird up my loins. He said, but you're going to need to run like hell afterwards. <laughs> But you know, it's great when you do become God's prophet and it does have a great impact and people turn around and call God blessed. It's fantastic when that happens. But sometimes it's not always nice for a prophet to stand up and speak. And uh, these guys, you know, God said, I'm going to raise up a prophet from among you, from your own people. So I believe the Dream Center can have prophets. 
I believe Manchester can have prophets. I believe the, the nation of England and Great Britain can have prophets. But you know, they all come from local churches. They all come from some town. They all were born in, in, in insignificant places. But that's great because God loves to use insignificant to make it significant. Amen. So we're not insignificant, but got the places we're born, nobody knows Openshaw. There was no star, wise men or virgins in, in, in the Openshaw when I was born. But guess what? I was born. A star was born that day. The blue moon was arising. So, that's two there. Phil's counting them all now. My reference is two. So God raised the prophets from his own people. Ordinary people from ordinary backgrounds. Ordinary churches. Yes? That's you and I. God is the one who puts his words in people's mouths. We don't find them. We don't collect them off the floor. We don't collect them from a history book. We get them from God himself. And God's word. Why? Because we believe this word is living and active. It's living and active. So God puts his word into our hearts. Amen? Where do you think I got this word from this morning? God has to put it into my heart. Some of his word I think about, other things I catch in his spirit. When God speaks to you, there's two ways he normally speaks to you. Ready for this? Sometimes when he speaks, he has to teach you things. Other times when he speaks, you catch things. And the things you catch are yours forever. And you never forget. The things he teaches you about, you need to write them down so you don't forget. Amen? So as I'm teaching you things this morning, you may need to write things down so you don't forget. But other things, God may say something and it hits you right inside your spirit. And everything lights up inside you. That's yours. That's called free. That's called, a down, that's called the, the egg cloud. As we set the cloud up for technology, you're able to just download, put it on your hard drive, take it out, it's yours free. Amen? Everybody understand that concept? In the words, this prophetic word, if the words that are spoken, nobody listens to them, then there are consequences. This word comes with consequences. Because sometimes we may... Or God may say something and it's really relevant. And if we don't do it, we don't listen. There's going to be a consequence to our life. You know, Jesus says, uh, says uh, God said to, to Moses, tell the people, choose life or death today. This word is either going to bring you life or it's going to bring you death. Now, death may not necessarily be physical death. It can be a spiritual death. But in some cases, it's, it's proved to be a physical death. This is how severe this word is. Now you can casually play with the word or you can believe it one hook, line and sinker. I choose to believe it hook, line and sinker. And even when I don't understand it, I think to myself, if I let what I don't understand derail me, I'll let what I do understand just go by the way. This walk is a walk by faith. It's not always, I can't understand God's word all the time through intelligence. I ain't smart enough. God has to reveal things to me. Because for every word, there are multiple layers. Someone can read a scripture to you and then somebody else reads it and then someone else. And each time you'll get something different from every time someone talks. Because it's multi-layered. It's never ending. It's never ending. You'll never get to the end of God. Are you glad? He never runs dry. It's not like a well that runs dry. He just keeps on creating all the time. God is an imagineer. And if he hasn't got it in the storeroom, he'll just speak it into being. I love that. You go to the storeroom, God, have you got this? No, it's all right. Boom, it's there. As soon as he turns around, it's there. It's your son. No problem. 
So if a prophet says he's a prophet and the words that he speaks do not come to pass, then they were put to death. Now, please, we're not going to be having bonfires for people who speak and don't get it right. We can't murder people today. You know, surprise, surprise, human rights and all. We're not allowed to kill people. But the church has its own way of dealing with false prophets. The Bible says mark them out clearly. If he's a false prophet, if David was a false prophet, and I'm not talking about if he gets up this morning and says, I just think the Lord is saying to us this morning, you know, the sun's going to shine on the left, blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about that kind of prophecy. If he gives us a clear word that's going to really set the destiny of this church and he's wrong, we just say, okay, he was wrong. We mark it out. Now, anyone can get it wrong the first time, I suppose, the second time. We're learning to get sharper and sharper in the gifts of God. But if it's continually wrong, we say, David, you're not a prophet. You're not a prophet. Does that make sense? You can't keep listening to someone if they're not right. Jesus said, you'll know by the fruits. Test the spirit in everything. Some people will use God's word to manipulate people for their own devices. Well, we've got to be able to discern whether what he's saying, she's saying, they're saying, is of the right spirit. Some people will dominate, manipulate to get their own way. God forbid we should ever use this to do that and this. The Bible, of course. Deuteronomy 30. Now he says, verse 11. Now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for your church. Or it's not beyond your reach. So, isn't that cool? He's saying, it all sounds pretty high, God. How am I ever going to speak your word? And he says to him, what I'm about to tell you is not too difficult for your dream centre. And it's not even beyond your reach. Listen, it's not even up in heaven. What? The, what, the word's not up in heaven? Where is it then? Ah, I'm glad you ask. I'm going to show you. So that you have to ask, who will ascend into the heaven? Well, the pastor will need to go into the heavens and get it for us. Sheer right. You know, I'll be in the heavens all the time for you and never be on the earth. Who will ascend into the heavens to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? See, they're always looking to put the responsibility on someone else. If you don't get the word and bring it to us, well, it wasn't our fault. The pastor fell asleep. They couldn't hear God. But he's saying, no, no, no. It's not the job of one man to hear the word. It's the job of the people. Listen, he says, nor is it beyond the sea. So in other words, guys, we have to run to conferences here, there and everywhere. We don't have to go beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. So now it's the captain's job. Excuse me. No, the word is very near you. In fact, it's in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey it. So he's just taken all your excuses and put them in the bin. And he's saying, it's you. It's in you more than you realise. Oh, really? Well, you better teach me how to hear it. Okay, now that's a different question. Now you, now you acknowledge you've got it. So we're saying the software is in there. Now you see, I've got an iPad here. And I'm doing pretty well pressing buttons here. And Phil laughs at me. But so far, I haven't fell over on this thing. But this thing can do a lot more than I know it can do. All I need to know is know the one who knows what I don't know. Is the technology in here? Yes? Now, with an iPad, they tell you to use one finger. Ah, but this thing can count. It can use four fingers. 
Because every time you use a different finger on an iPad, different technologies appear. You didn't know that, did you? Once you were blind, now you can see. All I need to know is get close to the guys who do know. Now, he's not God. He thinks Uncle, you know, he thinks the Apple Mac, Steve Jobs, we'll laugh, we say it's his uncle. Because he loves Apple. He said Apple was in the garden. I said, yeah, next to the serpent. But Windows was always there. Holy Ghost, come on. And the windows of heaven opened up. <laughs> so, the thing is, is he said, see today, let's read this scripture a bit more. Now, the word is very near you and it's in your mouth and in your heart so that you may obey. So that you may obey it. Listen, see, see, comma, I set before you today life and death and destruction. Life, death, and destruction. Three levels. You ready? For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, decrees, his laws. Then you'll live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you're about to enter and possess. But if your heart turns away, Martha, and you're not obedient, and if you're drawn away to bow down to other gods, like today, city or united, and worship them, I'll declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. Now, that means if we pick the cup up or you pick the cup up today, you're not going to, fire's not going to come from heaven. Okay? I'm just making that point, not being flippant. It's talking about when something captures your heart and you bow down and worship it. You love it. You make it your life. Now, we know football, for one instance, people do that. They follow a colour. They follow a badge. They worship. That's not who we are. We can enjoy it without worshipping it. Amen? So he's talking about the one who's really, whose heart has been taken by these things. And we all have potential of worshipping a foreign god. Whether it's a money, whether it's a child, whether it's a job. There's many, many foreign gods that we have in our hearts. Foreign because they shouldn't be there. Yes? Not because they come from abroad. Understand that? They're foreign because they're not who we are. They're not part of our DNA. They come from another system. And that system is designed to, cor- to corrupt you and destroy you. Because it will take you away. You'll put all your energies and all your resources into that thing that's got your heart. And you'll ignore your, co- your priorities and responsibilities. It's amazing how many people can find money for football or for beer. Yes? And leave the families in need of clothes. And things like that. People will do that. That's why it's foreign. It's alien to us. Amen? So he said, I declare to you today that you will certainly be destroyed. You'll not live long in the land that you're crossing, Jordan, to enter and possess. This day I call heaven, listen, he's even going to call heaven. The day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curse. Now choose life so that you and your children, so it's not, remember what you do affects your children. So that you choose, so you and your children may live And that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice. Well, how do we listen to his voice? Well, we're going to show you his words in our hearts, but he speaks other ways. And hold fast to him. In other words, even when I go through moments when I don't understand, when I feel confused. And I know none of you go through those kind of moments. Anyone been confused? Of course you have. Anyone 
need perspective when they've gone through a, a difficult time? Of course you do. That's why he says, hold fast. Well, what do you hold fast to? That which you know and understand. You can't hold fast to what you don't understand. But you can hold fast to the one you know. God, I don't know where I am. I don't know how this has come upon my life. But I'm holding on to you. Trusting you that you'll get me through this. That's called the rock. That's what. And even though you, you can do that, even though you've known him a little short time. You don't have to know a lot of information or a lot of revelation to know that God can get me out of this. You just have to learn to trust God. Trust. It's hard. You have to, you've had to trust me. I've had to trust you. That's the same way we do it with God. The only difference is God won't let us down. He said, listen and hold fast. For the Lord is your life. Wow. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You say, but Tony, he's talking to an old dude. He's talking to a guy that lived hundreds of years ago. No, in the Bible, when God speaks, promises go from generation to generation to generation to generation. It's called genealogy. And what God says to one generation, it's still going on to us. It's called inheritance. Amen? And when this is the difference, God's, this Bible is not just a history book. You could turn around and say, none of it applies because I'm not living in that time. Well, if that was the case, and that's our attitude, we don't need a Bible. We need a, we need a, we need a Bible that would have to be updated every year. And we should call it the friendship book. Yeah? But no, this is relevant for us now. Today. I live by this book, and I know it works. Amen? I know it works. It's been proofread by the Holy Spirit. The word, let's break this down. The word is not the same for far distant places where you cannot go and get a hold of it. It's near you. It's in your mouth. It's not somewhere way beyond the ocean. It's right near you. Right near you today. Right near you now. This word is in this place. Amen? It's a word that must be obeyed, guys. You can listen to it, think about it, go home, ponder about it. But sooner or later, you've got to make a decision to obey it. That's why sometimes when the prophetic word is spoken, like we said this morning, the Martha, you have to learn to respond. In that moment it's spoken, faith has to rise up and catch it. Most miracles take place, right? Listen to this. Most miracles take place when they hear the word and instantly they respond in their hearts. But many of us, say for instance, I'm praying, and I just say, you know, this morning I sense that someone's got a pain. Let's just say, they got a, uh, let's say, someone's got a tumour. I'm seeing that someone's got a tumour. I don't know whether someone's got a tumour, but in the spirit, I'm seeing it. You think, oh, it's me, but I'm a little bit embarrassed to put my hand up. You've got a tumour and you're embarrassed, okay. So you're thinking, uh, I'll tell you what, uh, if I go up now, I'm going to look a right wally. So you've got a tumour, now you're embarrassed and you look a wally. Okay, but you've still got a tumour. So you think, I'll go home. And I'll deal with it on, on, on my own. And I'll, I'll say, well, you know, he spoke the word, so it'll, I'll still get healed when I'm at home. No, you won't. Why? Because you did not combine it with faith at the moment it was spoken. The word came for you, you must combine it with faith in that moment. The moment Mary heard the Holy Spirit say, you'll be with child, she said, let it be to me. She didn't even think about, well, hang on, I'm not even married. I know that technology doesn't exist today. You don't have to be married to have a baby. But in that, te- in that day, you did. Let's return to those days. And she said, you know, you're going to have to bring my husband up to speed on this one. Or you're going to have to bring my boyfriend up to speed on this one. Because he doesn't have a clue what we're going. But I'm with you. 
If even Joseph then, well, who's she been with? Who you been messing around with? Well, the Holy Ghost told me. Now you go home and tell your boyfriend today the Holy Ghost has made you pregnant. Guess what's going to happen? The yellow van's on its way. But that's exactly what she had to face. She had to respond in faith at that point in time. Not go on, think about it. Mm, okay, God, I think it should. Well, if it's you, Lord, cause the left-hand side of the road to be all wet and the right-hand side of the road to be dry. He said, get out of it, you muppet. <laughs> Accept it by faith. Okay, Lord. Did it witness with you? Yes, it's yours. If you're in bingo, I know you don't play bingo, but if you were in bingo, you know the concept, and someone shouts your number out, you don't think, I tell you what, I'll go and think about it. You shout, house! You respond by faith. You know you're going to get a prize. True? Now, I know you religious lot don't play bingo, so... It's a word that includes promises. Blessings and curses for those who obey and disobey. You know, so when I believe that what I do, to, uh, when I listen to what God says to me, and Carol, my wife, we, we honour what God says. We believe that if we pass that on to our children, it goes to the next generation and to the next generation. And sometimes, even though it skips a generation, God's able to connect it to the next generation. Why? Because what we carry is seed. And seed lies in the air and it waits to be germinated. And your heart catches it. This has happened. I am now a pastor in this church. Been many pastors before me. But what I carry today is what was always there for some of those other guys. But they never picked it up. Not that I'm better. Just that it was my time. And I, and, and I had something that they probably didn't have. I was hungry for something they wasn't probably hungry for. That's all, all it is. And if it has to wait there until someone in your family picks it up. You know, you may be the, you may be the recipient of your great, 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 great grandmother praying. Your dad didn't get saved. His dad didn't get saved. And their dad didn't get saved. But you got saved. Why? Because all because of one old grandmother praying and praying and praying. She sold it into the spirit. And then you picked it up. And you think, well, I don't know. I don't know me, grandma. No, you don't. But one day God will reveal it to you. It's because she prayed, you're here. Amen? The word has generational consequence and significance to it. For those connecting to it, I believe that my children will not have to struggle in some of the areas I struggled. Yesterday I was telling the guys I was some of the areas I struggled in. But my boy's there listening to that. He didn't have to struggle in those areas. Why? Because he's heard his dad struggle with that. He says, that's not my battle, dad. You fought that one. But you know the battles you don't fight, dads? Your sons are going to have to fight them. Just ask George Bush. And his, and his son, when they went to Iraq. If, he, if his dad would have took, when he went to Kuwait and took it out then, he wouldn't have had to go to Iraq. The battles you don't face, your sons will have to face. But the battles you face, your sons don't have to. Isn't that good? Go to two. That's, that's, two, old, that's two scriptures from the Old Testament I've given you. Let me give you two New, New Testament scriptures. Just in case, well, you think, well, that's old, that Tony. You're talking about Moses there. He's dead and gone. Well, okay, let me tell you what the New Testament says about this word. <clears throat> and now we get it. So we've seen it's not far from us. It's in our mouth. We've seen that God raises prophets up. And we've just said that all of us can be a, prof be a prophetic voice. You may not necessarily be a prophet to the nation, but you can be a prophetic voice in your family, your factory, your street, your environment. Okay with that? We said that the word is already in our hearts. We don't have to go overseas to find it. 
You know, we don't have to look in the heavens for it. It's actually inside us. But we don't always know how to speak it and recognize it's inside us. But it's there. The technology's there. Just like that in the iPad. Amen? But I'm next to someone like Phil and Nick and Andy and who know these things and Kevin. They can tell me. They can show me what this thing does. True? But right now I'm functioning on it and I think it's good. But they can say, ah, you're only touching one, one dimension of it. That's okay, show me. You, right now you've been introduced to Jesus. You've been introduced to, introduced to God and you might be thinking, well, I only know a little. That's okay. Get next to people who know more. Yeah. We can show you that there's more technologies. Amen? So in what, 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. I love this verse because it makes sense of what I'm trying to say. For prophecy, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Ghost. Let me say that again. It's so good. Peter, I'm going to read your words again. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Ghost. So... In other words, men don't create it. We don't stand here, close our eyes, clutch our cheeks and think, oh, I'll make something up. It sounds good. No, no, no. It's got to come from the Spirit of God. It's got to be found inside you. Do you know, some of you may not understand what we're talking about. And that's okay because we've got plenty of time to keep on putting you on the map, so to speak, or on the page. But I guarantee when you understand some of this stuff... You go into environments and you can change them. You can literally change environments. I was telling my son, he was, well, he was telling me about his, his uh, situation at work and how with the cuts and all that kind of thing with the council, because he works for a company that uh, were su- supply, uh, sponsored by council and supported, but now they've had to go their own way. And I was saying, son, don't worry. Don't wear this fear that everything's crashing. We know it's a reality, but let's, let's not ignore that. But it's not, it's not your portion. It's not coming to you. You can't wear fear and despair upon you. It doesn't suit you. You don't look good with it. I said, we've got to, we, if, God, this, if God is not real and, and, and who he says is not right, then what good are we doing? What are we doing? Something's got to work for a son somewhere. Are you listening to God? Yes. Are you obeying God? Yes. Right. Then you've got all the, the, you've got all the mandate and authority to use his word. Do you believe that, church? I believe that. So I began to tell him how I, it worked for me in my factory when I used to work. And it changed. The, the factory would have no working. And I, used to, I could feel, feel the sense of despair upon the people, how their jobs and careers were on the line. And I just felt one day that I'm surviving. I'm not, I'm not living. I'm fed up of living from minute to minute, moment to moment. Is someone going to walk through the door and say, all our jobs have gone? And I, something inside me rose and said, I'm not having it anymore. I'm drawn in the line. And I began to proactively push and I began to prophesy, God, if I'm your child, you must supply. If you keep this factory open just for me, then good, do it. And I began to prophesy, orders would come in and orders and orders and orders. The factory would be flooded with work. And God says, you just keep speaking. Every time it shrink again, I go back in and prophesy again. And the orders would come out. God was keeping that place open just for me. It can do it for you if you know God and you use his word. When, they, when you smell redundancies, don't fear. Don't fear. If God can't keep you, what's the point of him being a God? Come on. Got to come a time when you say, hey God, I'm cashing in the chips. I'm cashing in these chips. I don't want to hear you and sing nice songs about you on a Sunday. Do you work for me on a Monday? 
Does it work? Do you, let me read the small print, yeah? Check every bit of print you've got because it's all true. God doesn't hide anything. He does what he says he can do. Amen? For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God. Where did they speak from? God. As they were carried along. So Peter reminds us, the modern day believer, that the place of origin is still God. Moses spoke from God. David got it from God. All the prophets got it from God. Now here's Peter, thousands or hundreds of years futured. Now he's speaking about God and he's still getting the same message from the same place the prophets once got it from. From God. Now if the Old Testament boys got it from God and the New Testament boys got it from God, where do you think we're getting it from? It's still God. It never had its origin. We didn't make it up. We didn't create it. We didn't think about it. It came, it comes from God. What language do we speak? God. G-O-D. God. Amen? So it's still God. And why? Because the principles and practices of God must show consistency and continuity. We've got to be able to trust God from the beginning to the end. God is a God of Genesis. God is a God of Revelation. And if you read the back of the book, guys, we win. We win. The principles and practices must have consistency, accuracy and continuity. Man must and can only prophesy from either two sources. You ready for this? He either prophesies from his own flesh or by the power of the Holy Spirit. He can only prophesy from two sources. His flesh or the Spirit of God. Well, you could say a third. You could prophesy from the Spirit of darkness. I'll put that in a, in, in a third bracket. Zechariah 4 says this. Zechariah 4, 6 says, So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. It's still not by might, it's still not by power, it's still by the Spirit. Now the Spirit has might and power. But it's not by the prophet's might, and it's not by the prophet's power. It's by the, the prophet's voice that the Spirit of God has power and might. Does that make sense? That's why Jesus said, The word I speak to you are life and death. They are power in your mouth. And in 1 John, chapter 2, verse 20. 1 John, chapter 2, verse 20. So I've read, I've read from uh, the Old Testament. I'm reading from the New Testament. So in the Old Testament, we saw that Moses spoke, uh, heard God. David heard God. We heard that the word's in our hearts. It's not in some mountain somewhere. It's not in the sea somewhere. It's not in the heavens. It's actually inside us. Now we're reading the New Testament, we're seeing that it's still, con- uh, still got continuity, it's still the same, God's still speaking, still, humanity's still receiving, still the same spirit, carrying the words of God to our hearts. We're seeing that it's, prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but God spoke by God, sorry, but men spoke from God as they were carried by the spirit. Now here, in 1 John chapter 2 verse 20, he says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. Who's the Holy One? God. And all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you don't have the truth, or you don't know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. So a prophet standing up in the name of God can't speak a lie if he's from God. That's how we know he's false. Hello? That's how we know he's false. 
Because we have the truth, and if his truth doesn't match up, and he doesn't witness with us, yeah, then what he's saying can't come from God. Because if three, you know, that's why the Bible says, if two or three witnesses agree on anything, there's the witness. Then there, there I am right in the midst. In other words, there needs to be some common ground. If what David was sharing was not from God, there's no common ground. Straight away, there'd be a circle around him. It's not from God. So, the same spirit has now been deposited into you by revelation. See this? John's saying, but you have an anointing. What is the anointing? The spirit of God now lives inside you. Jesus said, when I go away, I will, le- I will not leave you as orphans. I will send the comforter or the counsellor, which is another name for the Holy Spirit. You want a proper name for it? It's called a paraclete. It's not a bird. I will give you the Holy Spirit and he will be inside you and he'll do a few things. He will remind you of me. He will take what he hears the Father saying and the Son saying and he'll make it known to you. Where does he make it known to you? In your conscience. He will convict you when you're wrong. When you feel guilty, who is it? That's the Holy Spirit saying, don't do that. You're stepping out of line. He's the one. But what we do when we step out of line, we say, Father, forgive me, help me, teach me your way, show me how to do it better. The Holy Spirit brings you back into alignment again. Now you can say to the Holy Spirit, shut up, I don't want to listen to you. You have that power, it's called free will. Or you can choose, not my will, Lord, but yours. And you can choose to go God's way. Amen? So his voice gets stronger and stronger and stronger within inside you. The Holy Spirit was given to you as a deposit. Guaranteeing of what is to come. So when Jesus left and went back to his father, he said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's a down payment for what's coming. Yes? So right now you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got the truth, the seed of truth, you've got the revelation, the technology, you've got Word Perfect going on inside you. Windows 2012. And inside this, this system here, you can, have, you can have heavenly visions, better than any DVD, HD, HDVD, whatever you want to call it, HD, Blu-ray. You've got, you've got pictures in your mind from God as the Spirit gives you, clearer than anything you could watch on the earth. You've got better than MP3 download format. You've got the Holy Spirit as your hard drive. Unlimited capacity. It's all there inside you. This is the software that he put inside you. It's called the Calvary Software Package. Hit the button, it all opens up. Wow. God's reformatting your heart. Amen? So, the same spirit lives within you. That live within God. You have, you have within you spiritual technology that allows you to scan, witness, verify and authenticate all that comes from heaven. Let me say that again. Within you, you have the spiritual technology because you've got the Holy Spirit living inside you that allows you to scan, witness, verify and authenticate this word. This word. Yes? So I'm scanning all the time, I'm verifying, I'm authenticating. This is this word, is this right, you Lord? Is this you, Lord? Yeah, yeah, that's you, Lord. Okay, Lord. Sometimes I'm not quite sure. But if I, if I feel nervous about something, that's normally the Holy Spirit. That's called the antivirus kicking in. Be careful. Something's trying to get into your system. Other times, if you feel peaceful about it, that's normally saying it's okay, trust. 
You've got to learn to know how the waters flow with inside your spirit. The Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. If you are become conscious of his presence inside you. Amen. The more you become conscious, the more he will guide you. You'll feel, don't do that. So you don't, if you learn, as soon as you learn to feel like that, don't do it. Don't do it. Say, I don't know why. You don't have to know why. Just say, I won't do it, Lord. Okay. Learn to train your mind to listen to your conscience. And as you learn to train your mind and say, I don't do that, you'll go where you leave it. And then what might happen is you may find out that something happened and you think, that's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me about. And you go, wow, I listened to God. He spoke to me. Wow. On other times, I remember once being in a shop in Canada with Carol and I, and they were selling uh, artifacts of, of uh, you know, the Indians, and they were selling all that kind of stuff. And Carol walked in the shop. She went, not on your life. I'm getting out. Now, my wife never does that. We were looking for gifts to take to bring back. And I'm sat there thinking, what's wrong with her? What's wrong with her? She says, I, I need to get out of here. What's wrong with her? Will you go out, love? And I'll go. She said, no, we need to get out. And when your wife tells you that, I just think, okay, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Something inside her heart says, this shop is not for you. Get out now. And sometimes you just get, you just feel, ah, this is not for you. You walk away. Other times you hear, get out now. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't sit there and say, Why? You just listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You get out. You don't need to know why. It doesn't have to come with an explanation. It comes with obedience. Okay, Lord, I'm out of here. Amen? You just do that. Last scripture. If you go to Zechariah chapter 5. The wheels are down. We're ready to put this thing on the tarmac. We're landing. The engines in reverse were coming to a close. Zechariah 5. It's an Old Testament prophet. Zechariah 5 verse 1. I looked again. Now we're, this is where we're going to go from here next week and probably till we finish. And I looked again. So he's looked before, once before. Okay, he's had a look. So I looked again and there before me was a flying scroll. A flying scroll. And he, he asked me, what do you see? I answered, well I see a flying scroll. And how long was it? 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. So it's a big one. You know it's almost like this thing's taking the whole room up. He's seen it. He's like how can you not see it? How can you not miss it? And God's trying to show him something that's so good. It's almost, when I see it, read this, I almost see like the church we see flying through the air. And he says, what do you see? So he said, well, I see a, a, a docking great big scroll flying through the sky, which is not something I see every day. Okay. And he says, and how big is it? He said, well, it's, and it's amazing how we could measure it. 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. And he said to me, this is the curse that is going out over the whole land. For according to what it says on one side, every thief will be banished. And according to what it says on the other, everyone who swears falsely will be banished. The Lord Almighty declares, I will send it out and, I will enter, and it will enter the house of the thief and the house of him who swears falsely by my name. It will remain in the house and destroy it, both its timbers 
and it's stoned. Wow, this is serious. How many of you believe that things can fly over regions? In the spirit now I'm talking about. No, in a minute we'll look at the behaviour second. It was because of the behaviour on the ground that God sent something out in the, in the airways. This is why we have the power to change environments. When we're talking about bringing the presence of God into our midst, we're talking about as you bring something in, you kick something out. You, you replace. Okay? We'll call it replacement theology. Doesn't really mean that, but that's what we're going. We're replacing the atmosphere. We're taking something negative out and we're putting something positive in. The church is meant to be the gateway to connect heaven to earth and earth to heaven. So the presence of God can just hit the church and the whole environment gets filled with God's glory. Amen? This is the nature of the church. This is why the church has to have the presence of God in the house and on the people. So there's something negative in the atmosphere. Now, how many would recognise that when we look at Drawsden and we look at Tameside and Manchester, we are known for certain crimes? There's certain behaviours. There's certain thought patterns. There's certain uh, behavioural patterns that go on in our city. Something has to, it's affecting the people. It's affecting their behaviour. It's affecting the crime rate. It's affecting peace and harmony within our region. So if that is real and tangible and God's presence comes in, God wants to replace it with his own presence. So light has to push dark out. Or is this too difficult for us to understand? So how do we do it? God shows prophets, people, things that are in the spirit. That's you and I. Because we're set up inside to receive what God's saying. Oh, you just want to come to church and sing nice songs and hear nice little words. Jesus loves me, this I know because the Bible told me so. No, no, no. This is the government house. God wants to turn things around. So he's got to send very specific pictures, very specific imagery to our hearts to captivate us, to capture us, so that we can begin to turn this environment around. And as we turn it around, it's almost like the farmer's turning his soil. Amen? So that's why you have to speak prophetically to turn the soil in the region. And sometimes you have to speak prophetically to your own people before your people can then become prophetic to its region. So you have to turn the hearts and minds and the behaviours of the people sat here this morning so that, that when they see it, they begin to rise and go to the next level. Yes? So here we see that there's two types of people on the earth here. And I guess he's probably looking at Openshaw. Why? Because there's thieves there. Yeah? There's thieves there. And there's also kind of, all kinds of dead legs are there. Yeah? And he's going to banish them. He says, on one side, there's every thief, every thief will be banished. And on the other, those who swear falsely by my name. How many times can you walk in the street and hear people cursing and blaspheming? Yeah? How many times can you hear people say that? All the time. And these kind of people were in their environment. And they were messing the environment up. Big time. And they weren't just saying, oh, pardon the expression, they weren't just saying Jesus Christ. They were really profaning God's name. They were really causing some damage. And the thieves were stealing. They were going into the temple. They were robbing the people. They were robbing the houses. And God says, this is not the kind of nation I built you for. Great Britain is not built for what we see today. The word great and Britain should go together. 
Amen. So God sees and he watches what's going on in Drawson, Openshaw, Tameside and Manchester. And he said, church, will someone take responsibility for this mess? And if God can find a church or a person or people, he'll say, God, yeah, I'll do it. Just like Moses. He said, now go and tell Pharaoh. Let my people go. So you think, well, we don't have a Pharaoh. Is it Tony? Is, sorry, is it David Cameron? No, we're speaking to the invisible realm. But we know it's there because our Bible teaches about it. He says, and you speak to that realm, you begin to readdress the environment. This is what this tree is all about. This picture is, give, is a picture of a tree, which is not just a tree. It's symbolic of Tameside. And what a tree, the roots, and what a tree produces. But see that picture there? It's a nice picture and lovely sunset. But that tree, we don't know what that tree, well I don't know what that tree is because I'm not a, a tree surgeon. I don't know what it kind of is. But the trees not only just give you shade, some produce certain fruit. Now, imagery, God gave us that picture of the tree and said, you know, you speak to it, readdress it. And now we're seeing young people beginning to turn around. God's given us our own generation first in the church. Yes. And then from there, the next wave will come. And the next wave will come. But you must keep on speaking all the way to the place called finish. This is why I say to you, start with your husband. Pray on his bed. Pray on his, over his pillow when he's not there. Seriously, it works. It worked for me. It'll work for you. Prophesy, life, man of God. Open up your mind. But here he says, speak to them. And he sees this, he sees this whole scroll flying. And you're thinking, wow, he's having, he's not taking any tablets. He's not drank any beer or any wine. And he sees this thing. See, our church is not just a worship center or an outreach center. It's a parliamentary headquarters. What heaven says, the earth can then enforce. So we take what he says and we push it out. Straight from, why? Because the origin is still God. It's still by the spirit of God. So in our prayer nights and our worship nights, we just go crazy. We hear what God's saying and we speak it into the environment. Let me just say, all many of the African nations, you are here today because we spoke to you and called you by name. And we are so delighted you listened to the voice of God and came. Some of you didn't know you listened to the voice of God. Some of you did. Nevertheless, you're here. And you're on our ship now and that's it. And there's more coming like you. And you think, we look, in the natural, it makes no sense. Guys closing their eyes and speaking to a corner, you think, yellow van, definitely, get it going. It makes no sense. When you're praying and you're calling things and you're thinking, these guys are nutters. I know, it looks like nutters. But something spiritually is tra- being transmitted into the airways. And the fruit is here. Now it's like the United Nations, and I love it. The church is God's parliamentary headquarters. Zachariah, who was a prophet, realized that these guys were messing them up. And God began to speak to them. And I'll carry on from this later on uh, next week, probably. But all I want to help you to see that this word went from Moses to David, from David to Peter, from Peter to John, from John to you. It's the same source, the same spirit. The same revelation, it's the same mission still on. Each, revel- each generation gets a greater glimpse of the, revel- of the mission that's ahead of them. And each one must rise and do what they're supposed to do in order to see this kingdom, of God, the kingdom of God, rise and manifest in our midst.
Now I want you to see, church, that you've got this word inside you. And you may not understand how it all works and our joy and our hope and our training will hopefully put you on that same page. But by the end of this year, you will know and you will see and you will understand and you will be speaking this same word out of your mouth that I've been speaking for many years. It works. It works. And I could line all people up here and tell you it works. We all started not knowing what are these guys talking about. Did we not all start that way? Of course we did. What's he on about this speaking in tongues? What's he on about listening to God? What's he on about? What's he on about? Good questions. You walk out of the church thinking, they're all nutters in there. But there comes a time when, if you keep searching, God will make it known to you. And God will make it known, and he will make it known. And if it's all new to you, I understand that. And I don't minimise where you're at. All I'm saying is, I recognise where you're at because I've been there. And if you put your hand and your trust in God, God will take you from where you are and he'll bring you to a stronger place in God. God is real. Or I'm, I'm Father Christmas. If God ain't real, I'm Father Christmas. Let's stand to our feet. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more information, go to www.thedreamcentre.co.uk.